It was the start of the Feast of Harvest, also known as Pentecost, and the disciples were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a violent wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what looked like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. At this same time, there were other Jews from many lands staying in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. They also heard this sound and the sound of the disciples, and they all gathered together in bewilderment. Each one had heard their own tongue being spoken, and yet the ones who were speaking were not from their lands. They were hearing these Galilean disciples of Jesus declare the wonders of God in their own languages. Some were amazed, some perplexed, and still some were doubtful. So the disciple named Peter stood and began speaking the gospel to the crowd, telling them of Jesus, of his death and resurrection proclaiming him as both Lord and Messiah. He called on those who had gathered to repent and be baptized so they too could receive the Holy Spirit. Many accepted his message and thousands were added to their number that day. Good morning, church. Happy Pentecost Sunday. This is the day traditionally in the church when the day of Pentecost is celebrated. It's the day that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and into the church. And from that moment, what we see in the Bible is that after that moment in Acts 2, the moment of Pentecost, everything changed for the church. It was like all of a sudden there was this explosion that happened. And we talked last week about the fact that there was these guys that had kind of been these bumbling, fumbling idiots that all of a sudden were speaking eloquently and spreading the gospel. And it's like everything changed in that moment because like we talked about last week, everything changes when the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And so today I just want to start off by just kind of sharing our vision for this series, why we're in this series called the Holy Spirit, why we're taking a few weeks to really look at Acts and some other passages and see what it says about living by the Holy Spirit's power. And it's because of this. It's because one of the things I found in my life is that I talked about this last week. I get bored in church sometimes. I get bored with the idea of just showing up to church to get a little bit more life change or just to kind of look a little bit better, or to kind of get some good advice, or just go because it's what you're supposed to do. It's what everybody else does. What excites me about church, about the gospel, about the Bible, is the life change that happens. The people whose lives get turned into a one, you know, 180 degrees, the, the, the people that get reached that have been so far away from God, the amazing and incredible and powerful, powerful things that we read about in the Gospels happening in the church, that's what gets me excited. And so I always want to see that when I'm in the church. I don't know about you, but I, I always want to see a movement of God. I want to see people who are far from him turn to him. I want to see lives get changed. I want to see miracles happen. I don't know if anybody else wants to see that. Does anybody else want to see a movement of God? I don't know about you, but I have figured out in my life, 
that that is not something I can do myself. I figured out in my life that I am not that smart, I'm not that handsome, I'm not that good of a talker, I'm not that eloquent. I don't have anything that's capable of creating an amazing movement of God. All I can do is talk for a while. What is necessary for a movement of God is the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a quote I read this week from Vance Havner that says this. I'm going to put it on the screen. It says, we are not going to move this world by criticism of it or conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. By the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. You know, what I find interesting when I read in Acts is that the early church... If you were to put their kind of their business plan out there and put it before anyone, they would kind of say, you know, I think you're missing a few things to have a church. Like, all of it. Like, they didn't have a building. They didn't have a budget. They didn't have any political influence. None of the things that we kind of think are necessary for a church. Like, they didn't have anything at all, but yet God moved in a mighty, mighty way. And so today I want to take a look at that. If you have your Bibles today or if you have your phones with the Bible app, I encourage you to join me today in Acts chapter 2. So a little background on Acts chapter 2 is that they were celebrating this time a feast called Pentecost or also called Shavat, which means 50th. This was something that happened 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. And what was going on in this moment... This is so, so incredible. What was going on in this moment was that they were celebrating the giving of the law to Moses. When God had given the law that they celebrated to Moses, that's what they were celebrating this day. This is what's so ironic and amazing about this. Okay, check this out. So in Jeremiah 31, there's a moment where God prophesies, and it's later talked about in Hebrews chapter 8, he says that he will establish a new covenant with his people. And he says in this moment... He's talking about Jesus here. That there will be a new covenant, and in that time, I will write my law on their minds, and it will be written on the tablets of their hearts. And he says, no longer will you say, you need to know God, because every one of my people will know me personally. So they're celebrating this moment, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes, and we're able to have a personal relationship with God, with Him living inside of us, and Him, and, and literally the law being written and living in our hearts. It's so cool. It's almost like God's writing the Bible and kind of making things go a certain way. And so that's what brings us to this moment in Acts chapter 2. We have this festival that's happening, celebrating the law, and suddenly they, they have Jews from all over the world who've shown up in Jerusalem to celebrate. And now we join in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, it says they, it's a large group of people, were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. 
They were utterly amazed and they asked, aren't all of these people who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia. I should have practiced these before. Man, these are hard to pronounce. (laughs) Places all over. How is it now that we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? But some, however, made fun of them and said, no, they've had too much wine. And then Peter stands up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. That's a logical argument. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, and that your sons and daughters will prophesy, and that your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. He goes on to say that, Let all of Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He continues to talk about Jesus to the point where everyone there, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replies, Repent and be baptized every every single one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call With many words he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let's pray. Father God, as we unpack your word today and talk about what it means to see a movement of you, God, I, for myself and anyone else who wants to join me in this, We just open our hearts right now and say, Holy Spirit, would you move in a mighty, mighty way? Would you work in us to draw us closer and closer to you and to go out and be on your mission in the world around us? Thank you for who you are and how you're working. In your precious and holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, I just want to talk a little bit about this passage that we just read. There's a couple things that I see that is really... I think signs of when the Holy Spirit shows up. A lot of people think about, you know, what does it mean when the Holy Spirit shows up? What does that look like? There's a lot of different things that people can look for. But there's a few characteristics that I see in this passage I want to talk about. The first thing is this. When the Holy Spirit is working in someone's life, it is going to be absolutely marvelous. Turn to someone around you and say, you look marvelous today. It's just a nice word. See, it says in Acts 2 that when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language and they were utterly amazed. Aren't these all people that are from Galilee? How can we all hear our own language from them? And amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? See, what I've noticed in my life is that when the Holy Spirit shows up, everyone around you is going to know it. 
Like they're going to know something's going on. They may not know what's going on, but they're going to know something is going on. It says in the passage that some people were amazed, some were perplexed, some were even a little bit skeptical. But when the Holy Spirit moves in your life, there is something that is different about you. Something that is going to make you other people go, man, what, what do they have that I don't? They might even be a little skeptical of it, but people around you are going to notice one of my favorite stories from church history is the story of John Wesley. I don't know if any of you guys know who that is, but John Wesley was a guy that started a movement. If you don't know about this church, we're actually a Wesleyan church, which comes from the Methodist movement. Long story short, John Wesley was this guy who just, normal guy who loved Jesus, filled with the Spirit, but he went on, God used him in a mighty way to start a revival in England that went all over the world that was absolutely incredible. It is a large part of the reason why we're here today. But John Wesley wasn't always this on-fire guy. In fact, he was a guy who really tried to do Christianity according to his own knowledge. See, see John Wesley was this guy. He was a pastor. He, he was a very well-educated pastor. He went to Oxford. He knew all the answers. He went to seminary. He had all the degrees. He had all the head knowledge, but not a lot of the heart. And so John Wesley decides to, to go to America to basically save America. He's going to be a missionary to America. He's got all the answers. And so he shows up, and it did not go well. I, this is how bad it went. Just a quick little story. So it got to the point where he actually met a girl at church and uh, was going to marry her, and, and then kind of was hemming and hawing about it, wasn't sure if he was going to do it. So she was like, all right, fine, I'm going to go marry somebody else. Well, he didn't like that too much. This is how petty John Wesley was in this moment. Then he, she and her new husband come back to church, and he says, you can't have communion. Get out. Like, that's how petty he was. He refused service. So the people in the town didn't like that too much. It didn't look too bad. So all of a sudden now he's on a boat back to England, rejected. Things did not go well. He thought he had all the answers, but he was not able to save America. And then a storm hits. You ever have that moment in your life? where everything seems to be going wrong, and then a storm comes on top of it. Like, great, now what? So now it looks like he's going to die. He already feels like a failure. Now he's afraid he's going to die. And he's like, this is terrible. And he's freaking out, and he's scared. And then he looks over, and he sees this group of people. This group of uneducated people that weren't nearly as educated or holy or amazing as him as a pastor, but yet somehow they had something different than John. It's like somehow in the midst of all of this, they were just sitting around, singing hymns, praying, and there was this peace. This peace that surpassed all understanding. There was this group of people known as the Moravians. Long story short, they were a group of people who loved Jesus, were filled with the Spirit, and followed God's Word. And they were so convinced of what the Word says that... We have a life after this. So even in the moment of, of potential death, they were praising God because they knew in whom their future was. They knew that their future wasn't here, but it was going to be in heaven someday. And there was something different about them. So John goes and he starts meeting with them. And he goes to meetings with them. And all of a sudden, it, it wasn't immediate, but he starts hanging out with them. And he goes to this meeting one day. Someone begins reading the, the gospel, or excuse me, begins reading Martin Luther's commentary or introduction to the gospel of John. 
which if, you, if you've ever read that, it's very, very dry. So you know if life change happens from that, it was probably the Holy Spirit. Because that's a miracle. All of a sudden it says that John Wesley, he said, I felt strangely warmed and something overtook him in that moment. You know, we talked last week about the fact that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have all of God. We have all the atonement of Jesus, all the blood of Christ upon our life. But the moment that we are filled with the Holy Spirit is the moment where God has all of us. So John had been going through life with really all the answers, but none of the relationship. And suddenly in that moment, everything changed for John. John would go on to be one of the most well-known, really, reformers of his day, theologians of his day, that started a movement that went all across Europe. All because when the Holy Spirit moves in people, it will get people's attention. But on top of that, it will get people's attention. It will be something that shines to the world around you, but not everyone around you is going to think it's great. You ever have a moment in your life where like God's doing something in you? And you're doing something, man. You, you, you think, man, this is so awesome. I'm changing this area. I'm starting to do more of this. I'm starting to trust God more in this area. And suddenly someone comes around and goes, that's stupid. You ever have that moment where you're like, well, maybe this isn't God. The thing is, even in Acts, when the Holy Spirit shows up, not everyone thought it was great. Some people are going to marvel at how majestic you look or how, how awesome something is. And some people are just going to marvel at how stupid they think it is. You ever have a group of people that get together and like watch what they call terrible movies for the sake of watching terrible movies? Like I had a group of friends that did that in college. Like they, they would watch what they considered horrible movies for the sake of watching it. Like they, they, they sit there and make fun of it. Like Sharknado. You ever watch Sharknado? Yeah, one person. If you don't know the plot, basically, it's like a tornado. And then there's sharks. And that's the movie. So anyways, point being, that was a rabbit trail. Point being is that people will look at your life and what God is doing, and some people are going to think it's awesome, some aren't going to get it. In Acts 2.13, it says, Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. See, see, that's just what's... That's always confused me a little bit. I mean, the Holy Spirit's showing up. It says they were showing up and looking like tongues of fire. It was an amazing moment. People are freaking out. And there's still a few people who are sitting there going, Nah, they're drunk. There's a lot of comfort in that for me because there's been a lot of moments where I've had felt like God is doing something in my life and there's people around me that still go, Nah, that's stupid. There, there's some moments where other people are going to look and say, man, why would you do that? You know, some people are going to say, wow, that, that's stupid that you would spend all that time serving at your church. It's stupid that you'd go into ministry. It's stupid that you tithe 10% of your income because you want to give back to God. It's stupid that you base your life on some old book. It's stupid that you'd forgive that person. It's stupid that you'd give in that way. It's stupid that you would take that risk. There will be times when the Holy Spirit is moving in your life that other people around you will not get it. Because even when the moment when the Holy Spirit showed up with tongues of fire, there were still people that didn't get it. 
But thanks be to God that a movement of God isn't determined by how everybody else feels. Thanks be to God that I don't have to have a majority vote to decide whether or not something is a movement of God. If you follow what's going on in Congress right now, I just always think it's so funny every time we have a big moment where it looks like everything's going downhill and we still can't get our own Congress to agree. And so often I I just always find that so funny because when you look at people, we just naturally disagree. We naturally have sides. So thanks be to God, I don't have to put anything up for a majority decision, but it's about God's spirit and his word working in my life. See, when the spirit moves in your life, some people are going to cheer and some people are going to jeer. And and you know what? On that that note, there's going to be moments where what you do goes against culture and, and some people don't like it. And matter of fact, honestly, as a Christian who's filled with God's spirit, there will be moments where you ruffle someone else's feathers or you go against culture. And if you're not, then there's a chance you're doing something wrong. I, I love the moment when, when David is worshiping before the, the Ark of the Covenant as it's coming into Jerusalem and he's dancing and he's just having this great time. He's just dancing before the Lord. And his wife goes, what are you doing? That wasn't acting like a king. You need to act more like a king. There's moments where people around you will go, that's not how you act. That's not what you do. You know, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, yeah, that's fine. But, like, don't be all, like, crazy. Don't be a fanatic about it. Like, just go to church and then shut up. Like, like don't talk about it. Don't give in this way. And you know what's so funny about David's life? I don't know if you've ever noticed this. But David goes out there and serves the Lord, has this amazing, beautiful moment. And his wife said, you're not acting enough like a king. Then David started to act like a king and build up all the wealth, do what kings do, sit on your throne, take what you want. And then all of a sudden he gets in this problem with Bathsheba that almost causes him to lose everything that God's given him. Sometimes when we try to act how everybody else thinks we should act is when we end up getting in trouble. Hmm. See, the spirit... Moving will be something that that many people will interpret differently. But we know it's going to be something that's impossible to ignore. It's going to be something marvelous when God moves in our life. It's something that makes people take notice. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is it puts us in motion. It puts us in motion. This Holy Spirit will help you do more than you possibly could think or imagine that you were capable of doing. I love what it says In verses 14 and 15, it says that Peter stood up, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. said, fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. And he goes on to preach this eloquent message that just perfectly puts together Everything of who Jesus is, tying in the prophecies of Joel and going back to the Old Testament and bringing in everything together and preaching this really, really amazing message, which is surprising if you've read anything about Peter. Like, if you read anything about the guy, it doesn't make a lot of sense that he would be the one who preaches this eloquent and incredible message. That's because 
When the Holy Spirit shows up, he will give us and empower us to be able to do more than we could possibly think or imagine. The Holy Spirit will drive us to action and empower us along the way. I love what it says in Ephesians 2.10, that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were created by God. You are God's masterpiece, but God didn't make you a masterpiece just to sit you in a museum. He made you a masterpiece to go and do and be the love of Jesus. See, when we're filled with God's Spirit, it means that we're not going to be able to sit on the sidelines. If we see something wrong in the world, we have to act. That's the Holy Spirit. If you ever had that moment where you see something, you're like, I just can't leave this alone. I can't get this out of my head. Maybe it's orphans in a country. Maybe it's people who don't have enough food. Maybe it's someone whose rights are being trampled on. Whatever it is, if there's something that you see and you can't walk away from it, that's the Holy Spirit working. I love what it says in James 1.27, that religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. As we look around our world, the orphans and everyone around who's in need of help, does our heart really break for people? One of the things I found in my life is that when I was growing up, so much of helping people was like political. Like my parents had this political viewpoint, so then this was the group of people that we helped. And then there was this kind of you know political camp over here, and they were really big on helping this group of people. And what I found is that when I'm actually following Jesus, that actually politics aren't that big a deal anymore, and suddenly there's some things I like that agree with this party, and there's some things I like over here that agree with this party, because the fact is... I've becoming a lot less in my life of being a, a donkey person or an elephant person. I figured out a long time ago that I'm a lamb person. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the lamb. And that's the number one thing. And then everything else can fit underneath it. See, the thing is, when we're following God's spirit, there will be things in our world that we see that we cannot let go. And the biggest one is this. In Matthew 5, it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The biggest need we see around us is people who don't know Jesus, people who are broken, who need to be introduced to the one that can heal their brokenness. There are people all around us who don't know Jesus yet, and I love the moments when the Holy Spirit will drive us into action. He will empower us to go and be on mission for Him. Now, if you ever had a moment like that where, where the Holy Spirit has really driven you towards something, maybe, maybe some of you have, maybe some of you haven't. I know for me, I, I grew up always wondering, what does the Holy Spirit working in my life look like? Because I grew up with a lot of anxious thoughts. Like I would grow up with a lot of things like, well, you should do this, you should do that. And I wasn't sure really what it looks like to be led by the Holy Spirit until I started to realize and be open to it. And something I realized, the Holy Spirit, it goes back, if you go back to Elijah in the cave in the moment when there's uh, th- this great you know, whirlwind around him, there's this fire around him, and it says God wasn't in any of those things, but suddenly there was a gentle whisper. Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit bringing a peace that surpasses all understanding. And for me in my life, what I've found is when the Holy Spirit is going to ask me to do something, whether it's giving someone money or going and talking to someone, which I've had happen many times, it's just this feeling of peace. 
It's not a feeling of, oh, you need to go do that. You're a bad Christian if you don't go talk to them. You're a bad person if you don't give them money. It's just this peace that goes, oh, I'm going over there. Okay. Like, it's just this gentle peace that guides me over. And before I know it, I'm over and talking to someone. That only happens when we're open to it and listening to God's Spirit in our life. So the Holy Spirit will do something marvelous in our life. It'll put us in motion. But the third thing that happens when the Holy Spirit shows up is that it is missional. That is the number one thing about when the Holy Spirit shows up. We see in in, in Acts chapter 2. In the 37th verse, it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replies, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says then later, that many accepted their message, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to that number that day. 3,000. See, the thing that is the ultimate thing that I see in this chapter, that I think a lot of people miss, a lot of people talk about the tongues and all these other things, but the ultimate sign of the Holy Spirit showing up is people from all over the world starting a relationship with Jesus. The ultimate moment, the ultimate sign that the Holy Spirit is around is that people are coming to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one drawing people towards God. The Holy Spirit is the one working in people's hearts, breaking down walls. And sometimes we focus so much on the tongues of that moment. that There was this, these tongues that happened and they were speaking in other languages. The thing is, the reason the Holy Spirit did that is because there, uh, there was a need. There was people from all over that didn't know Jesus, there were people, there was a language barrier, and the Holy Spirit broke down that barrier. And for you in your life, as you start looking around, seeing people that don't know Jesus, the Holy Spirit will break down barriers. The Holy Spirit will start to take that moment where you go, I don't know what to say. Barrier. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, the word says. Man, there's a moment that I, I, I just, I feel so scared. I don't think I'm, I, I just don't know if I could do that. The Holy Spirit will give you strength if you're actually willing to allow him to. The Holy Spirit will put us on mission in amazing and incredible ways. And here's the thing. I want to end off with this. Did you know that mission can look a lot of different ways? Everybody thinks mission looks one way, like talking to people about Jesus or, or going out there and maybe preaching on a street corner or doing, doing some other thing. But Paul talks about the fact that the parts of the body, that we're all parts of the body and we all have different gifts. One of my favorite stories that my mom's told me. My, see, I, I had a dad that was the guy who like had like 50,000 stories, and he would tell you 50,000 times. Like I heard all my dad's stories. But whereas my mom was more the type of person that like tells me a story twice in my whole entire lifetime, and she'll tell me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot that. That was so good. She told me a story the other day. Just, oh, I was like, gosh, that's such a good story. How did I forget that? So there was this moment where my mom was sitting in a parking lot. She's sitting there, and, and she just feels the Holy Spirit kind of draw her attention to something. And she looks over, and she sees this guy who's helping this lady with her groceries. He works at the grocery store, and he's kind of helping her you know, get her groceries into her car. And something just overwhelms her in that moment. And she's like, God, do I, do I need to go talk to the person? And he goes, no, I just want you to pray for him. 
So in this moment, my mom has never met this guy before in her life, and she just starts praying, God, would you bless him? God, for something going on in his life that he can't handle, would you please just help him through it? God, if he doesn't know you, I pray he'd start a relationship with you. Fast forward a couple weeks later, my mom was on staff at a really awesome church in Tulsa. And she's normally, because of that, she's not sitting in the congregation. But for whatever reason, she got to sit in the congregation that week. And she's sitting close to the front where she never sits. And all of a sudden, there's an altar call. And she looks over, just by chance, and she sees the guy that she had never seen before in her entire life get up and go forward to accept Jesus. That's a really cool story. And that's a moment where that guy has no idea. And a lot of times we like to think of stuff about, you know, how reaching people is about the person who talks to him or this person. And there's people in your life that you're not sure how to have the words to say to them. You're not sure if you can actually have a conversation with them. Maybe you're too close or maybe you butted heads too many times. But I, I want to ask this. Are we even praying for them? Are we even coming on our knees before God saying, God, just pray that they know you? That's the most important thing we can do. It's the most powerful thing we can do. See, being on mission in the world around us doesn't mean looking a certain way or doing one specific thing. It's about having a heart that breaks for people and says, God, whenever, wherever, however, I'll do it. Whatever it is you call me to, God, I'll do it. See, the Holy Spirit didn't come just so that we could have a great life or have a great relationship with God, even though he brings that but so that God's presence could shine through us into every dark corner of the world, that we could be God's image bearers who go and bring God with us to everywhere we go, into our workplaces, our schools, our families. And for us today, if we consider ourselves believers in Jesus, if we consider ourselves those who are called by God's name, those who are children of God, I want to ask today if that's what people see in us. Is God doing something in us that's truly magnificent, something that causes other people to notice? Is God doing something in us that's stirring us to action? Is he working on us to be more missional, to go out and share him to the world around us? And if it isn't, there's a chance in that we're not, we're trying to walk by our own flesh and not by God's Spirit. And I want to ask us today, I want to go back to what Peter talked about with the people that asked him, what should we do now? The first step is to believe. These people were cut to the heart. They were already believing, but then it says, he says to them to repent and turn from their ways. And the final thing is to walk by faith. One of the things I love about the story of Acts is that when Jesus told his disciples to go, it took some time before the Holy Spirit came. But it's about walking in that faith that... We know the Holy Spirit's going to show up. And maybe if you feel like, man, I'm not, I don't know if I'm walking by God's Spirit. Maybe today's the day you just say, God, I, just, I want to be filled with your Spirit. God, I repent of anything where I'm trying to have control. If there's a place in my life that I'm holding on to, God's Spirit can't work in me. And finally, walking in faith. I've heard the story of a little child who put some potted plants together and put some seeds in. And suddenly they wanted to see if it was taking root. So they would dig it out. And then they look and, okay, put it back. They did that every day, and of course it never grew. And the same thing is true for our life. Sometimes we, we read God's promises that, man, this will happen. 
I will do this. I will show up in your life. I will have the Holy Spirit fill you. And then we're kind of like, okay, God, have you done it yet? God, have you done it yet? God, have you done it yet? God's like, no, walk by faith. And then you'll start to see it's amazing when we just start to walk in him, what things will happen. And so today I want to pray for us. And I just want to invite God, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you move in this place. And if there's anyone in this place today, that's trying to do it by their own power, that's trying to do this Christianity thing on their own. I God, I pray that today is the day. If, they, if we need to repent of anything in our life and give it over to you, we want to give it all now. We want you to have everything, God. We want you to move, you to work, you to do something beyond what we can possibly think or imagine. God, would you move in this place today? And God, if there's anyone in this place that, as we're talking about what it means to be filled with your spirit, maybe some just need to meet you for the first time. If there's anyone in this place that hasn't started a relationship with you, I pray that today is the day that they give everything to you, saying, God, I want you to have everything in my life. I repent of my ways, and I entrust myself to you in the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I just pray that you would continue to work in us to make us look more and more like you. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Church, we're going to respond today by continuing to worship. We're going to have people at either cross that love to pray for you if we can in any area. I just want to invite you just to respond and just worship God together. Let's worship, church.